Last Sunday was the longest sermon in King of Glory history, so this morning I thought we'd go easy on you and just solve one simple question that I need your help with. Now be careful how you answer this, because this could turn into the second longest sermon in King of Glory history. We've got a little argument going on at the home front, and we usually just kind of come here to help solve those dilemmas. Kind of wondering if we should get a Christmas tree this year or not. I'm kind of leaning towards not doing the Christmas tree thing. But others in the family are leaning towards the Christmas tree thing. So I need your help this morning. Who thinks we should do the Christmas tree thing this year? Okay. I don't know if you heard. Okay, put your hands down now. Who thinks that we should consider going without the Christmas tree this year? Got a couple of good brethren. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. You're, you're dismissed. You're dismissed. All right, in all seriousness, thanks for your help. Open up to Psalm 100. Open up to Psalm 100. That didn't work out as I had planned, so now we'll go to the sermon. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of the Lord. Did you know that there's 214, 313,000 items in the lost and found in the New York Metro Transit Authority. 214,000 items. What do you think are the top three things that can be found in those 214,000 items? What did you say? Gloves, cell phone, water bottle. We're getting there. Number three, wallet. Number two, this one makes a lot of sense, your Metro card. Number one, cell phone. Those are probably normal. We thought of those. However, what do you think are the three oddest items found in the lost and found? Children, yes. <laughs> yeah, your, your parents and I will talk after the service. Now, be careful which doctor you go to in New York, because apparently they have 74 sets of x-rays that have been lost in the metro. Not sure how that happens. And the, this next one, I didn't even know they made these anymore. They have 148 VHS tapes that have been found. And some of you don't even know what a VHS tape is. I'm thinking what's happening is that people are intentionally leaving the VHS tape. The weirdest item of all that has been left in the metro system. An air conditioner. Now, now catch this. They don't just have one air conditioner at the Lost and Found. They have three air conditioners at the Lost and Found. How does this happen? Can you imagine for a moment? I mean, oh, we were at Sears and we bought a new air conditioner. And we just put the air conditioner on the bus and then we forgot the air conditioner on the bus. I mean, where do you put the air conditioner on the bus? 
camera, I kind of got to walk over or around the air conditioner. How do you forget an air conditioner? That's not good. Now, you and I are probably, I hope, most likely not to forget an air conditioner on the city bus. However, you and I are quite forgetful. There are big things that you and I are quick to let go of. This morning in Psalm 100, we basically get one reminder, and everything flows from that. But it's one reminder that you think would be like, well, why do they even have to state the obvious? Kind of like, why do you even have to remind them? Pick up your air conditioners as you depart the bus today. And this is something like, why do you have to put this in the Bible? Isn't it obvious? Know that the Lord, He is God. As we enter into a season of chaos, a season of Christmas tree decorations, a season of baking, a season of shopping, a season of gathering, a season basically where you got parties multiple times each week, a season that seems like high stress, and a season that oftentimes is lots of greed. Want, 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 more, more, more. How do we enter into a season like that after a day of Thanksgiving and have a season of Thanksgiving, not just a day? I mean, how awesome is it that we get a day off of work, we get to do absolutely nothing and eat and just be reminded to be thankful? That's pretty cool. Somebody in government just had to get a day off. I like government when they do stuff like that. That's good. More holidays. That's awesome. We get one day to be reminded to be thankful. But it's not just a daily thing to be thankful. God tells us in Psalm 100 to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise. Come into his presence with gladness. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. In other words, basically the psalmist is saying, be in a season of thanks. A lifestyle of gratitude. How can we have a lifestyle of gratitude in the middle of greed, in the middle of stress, in a season of busyness? Well, the psalmist brings it right back to the heart of it of saying, here's why you're struggling to give thanks. Because you've forgotten forgotten the main thing. The main thing, Psalm 100 verse 3, know that the Lord He is God. In other words, when you remember that you are not your own, when you remember that you are not God, you have someone to give thanks to. When you remember that you did not create everything, you can then have someone to acknowledge for the provision. There's a variety of exhortations that are found here in Psalm 100 that are all based off of remembering that God is God. First it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Notice a theme here. Come into his presence with singing. The theme is what? Jubilee. The the psalmist is encouraging what? Gladness. In our singing. Our singing should not be dull in the church. Our singing should be full of gladness. Why? Because we're declaring truths of greatness. We just finished a song. Hallelujah. Death is beaten. That's not just hallelujah. Death is beaten today. That's hallelujah. The greatest message of all time. Singing is supposed to be joyous. And the psalmist is reminding us, let your hearts be filled with gladness. But not just when we're singing. Now catch the next part. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
I don't know about you. How many of you hate rolling up extension cords? Not that. Wow. Some of the, I just, it's just, it's like you despise it. So after a little while, you roll up the extension cord. What do you do? Just throw it in a pile and put it back where you grabbed it from, right? I mean, it's just a pain in the neck. It never goes. Then after you get rolled up, some of the things start wiggling around. It's kind of like rolling up Christmas lights. Who rolls up their Christmas lights? Hey, you got too much time on your hands. Do you know what you do with Christmas lights? You just open up the tub and you shove them all in. And then what happens next season? You pull them out and you got a ball of Christmas lights. You know, so many of us approach serving, giving of our time and talents like we do when we look at that band of Christmas lights or that extension cord. Like, oh, I got to untangle this mess again. Who was the idiot that stopped? Oh, that was me. Yes, that put him in the container. But the Lord says, no, no, no. Serve the Lord with gladness. In other words, it should bring delight to our heart. It should bring delight to our being. To what? To put others before ourselves. That's what it means to serve. Serve means to say to someone else, you are before me. Serve means to lay down ourselves and say, I'm going to look to the good of the other before I look to my own. Do you get delight and gladness in serving? Is it a joy for you to be asked to do something, to participate in some way that benefits others? The psalmist is saying, we should be serving with gladness. That joy should be flowing from us when what? We're doing good for the benefit of others. In other words, our life should be full of jubilee. Now go after it. We could look at exhortation after exhortation here. Sing with joy. Serve with gladness. Sing again in the next verse. And then verse 4, give thanks to his name, bless his name. Just these exhortations to sing joyfully, serve gladly, and give thanks continually. Well, we know that, right? I mean, you're not surprised today to be told to be thankful. We know we're supposed to sing with joy. We probably know for the most part that we should serve with gladness. That's nothing new. Well, if we know it, why don't we experience it? Because we're missing where it comes from. The key ingredient, Psalm 100, verse 3, the foundation for the activity is know that the Lord, He is God. Very simple this morning. One phrase that you have to know, I am not God. Let's say that together. I am not God. Really simple, and, and actually, for the most part, I believe that everybody that came here this morning would agree with that statement. If you woke up this morning believing that you are God, again, see me after the service. There's a place I'd like to take you to for a little while, right? Because no one thinks they're God. It's not even acceptable. So we all agree this morning that we're not God. You know, we, we would actually look down on people that would what? say that they, we are, they are God, we'd say, wow, how righteous are you? How good are you than the rest of us? We know we're not God. We know we don't even want to be God. Yet, what's so difficult? It's because we've stopped right there. We've stopped with the negative. So the, the negative is acknowledging we're not God. 
but we actually haven't transitioned to the positive. Let's look at the rest of the verse here in Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So we haven't made the transition from saying, I am not God, to the Lord is my God. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between saying, I'm not God, and saying, Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, is my God. This is the foundational element from which all else flows. It's not just remembering that we're not God, but it's what? Remembering who is our God. It's not just saying, I'm not God, but it's saying, I belong to this God. There's a big difference, right? There's a big difference between not belonging to anyone and then being able to say, I belong to them. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. The psalmist, you want to give us a hand here? I think we're missing a parent somewhere. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, where were we? A big difference between acknowledging that we're not God and coming into a position and saying, I'm going to have Yahweh as my God. So where are you today? Again, I would contend that everybody's in this spot of acknowledging they're not God. But today, are you saying, the Lord is my God? Are you saying, I belong to God. This is the foundation, the foundation of all of our behavior. The foundation of gratitude and joy is this, is recognizing who we belong to. The foundation of Christian behavior is not do this so that you get that. The foundation of Christian behavior is this, this is who you are, so do this. 1 Corinthians, it's an amazing book in the New Testament, is written to a group of people that are just messed up. They've got all sorts of issues. You read in 1 Corinthians, I mean, there's stuff in there that you can't even make up. They're, they're not arguing about carpet color in the church. They're arguing about other stuff that's unimaginable. Issues between families. Issues between members that are almost unmentionable in a crowd with children in it. That's how serious it is. They got crazy stuff going on in the Corinthian church. Now, listen to how Paul starts the letter to the Corinthians. So these are people that are misbehaving sexually, misbehaving with the Lord's Supper. These are people who have mistreated the Lord's Supper. That, that which many would hold up as the highest pinnacle of Christian items that we participate, the Lord's Supper, they're mistreating it. This is how Paul addresses them in 1 Corinthians 1. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Let me just simplify that. This is what Paul is saying in this little agreement. To the saints in Corinth. To the saints in Corinth. If you want a fun little exercise this afternoon, go into the New Testament, look at the first three verses in each letter in the New Testament. 
what it says. To the saints in Philippi. To the saints in Ephesus. What? The saints? Paul, do you have any idea what these people are doing? How can he possibly call them saints? It's because they're saints, not because they're saintly. This is the foundation of Christianity. They're not saints because they're saintly. They're saints because God has declared them to be saints. This morning, we had celebrated the white and the baptism. That white is the righteousness of Christ. Another term of knowledge for it is the sainthood. So white symbolizes the sainthood. Well, that person's not a saint yet, whether baptized as an infant or adult. They're not a saint, so why should they be wearing white? They're wearing white because through Jesus Christ, they're declared a saint. This is who you are. Do you know who you are today? You're a saint in the eye of God through Jesus Christ. Do you remember that you are God's? That you belong to God? It's not just you're not God, but you belong to God. All the behavior that Paul calls for, the Bible calls for in the New Testament is based off of your identity who or whose you are. Do you remember whose you are? The psalmist reminds us this morning, remember that the Lord, he is God. We are his. We are the people of his pasture. He's all using all this language that's kind of unfamiliar to us. We are the people of his pasture. I mean, who wants to be compared to sheep? That's what the psalmist is doing. He's using familiar language to the people that would have received this. They know that sheep, what, are dependent upon a shepherd. They know that sheep are completely dependent upon a shepherd for what? Protection, food. Without protection and food, those sheep are going nowhere. And so the psalmist reminds them, saying, hey, God is your shepherd, and you're just like a sheep. Without God, you cannot exist. I think R.C. Sproul says it best. He says this. The grand difference between a human being and a supreme being is this. Apart from God, I cannot exist. Apart from me, God does exist. God does not need me in order for him to be. I do need God in order for me to be. We are dependent. We are fragile. This is how we differ from God. I do need God in order for me to be. God does not need me in order for him to be. That's a seismic difference between us and God. The question is, the one who does not need you, is he your God? Is he your God? You know, when we have young children at Christmas or birthdays, you're always telling them, right? Say thank you. Say thank you. And when you're the recipient of one of those forced thank yous, what is it like? Oh, very nice, very nice. But really, down, you know that what? Okay, they were told to say thank you. Go back to your mischief or whatever you were doing. Right? Because there's nothing really that great about what? Forced thankfulness. It's a big deal, though, when what? You get organic or automatic thankfulness. Where someone comes to you, untold or unencouraged. The God of this universe who does not need us comes to us 
it's a big deal if I, if I call you because I need you. It's a much bigger deal if I call you even though I don't need you. God doesn't need us, yet God comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ. In the person of Jesus Christ, God comes and says, I'm going to establish a new relationship, a new covenant with you. For some of you that have been in church your whole life, you've heard the language whenever we do communion. This covenant, that's just a simple word for relationship. So God doesn't need us, but he comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ to form a relationship with us so that you and I would say to him, you are my Lord. I remember this morning who you are? Do you remember this morning who you belong to? You know you're not God, so therefore, who is your God? Is it the God of the universe who the Bible tells us is not far away from us, but rather is a God who has come near to us? It's not a God who does not understand us but rather who has come near to us. It's not a God who does not know pain and suffering, but rather it's a God who's familiar with pain and suffering. The creator of the universe, Jehovah, is he your God? Have you acknowledged that you belong to him? Everything begins there. For when we acknowledge that we belong to God, from that will flow thanksgiving. From that will flow gladness while we serve. From that will flow joyful singing of praises back to God. And so this season, as things are about to get busy, there's one simple thing you have to remember. One simple thing. And guess what? It's not, I am not God. It's actually, the Lord is my God. And so are you going to remember this season that the busyness is not God? Are you going to remember this season that the decorations are not God? Are you going to remember this season that the Lord is my King? And so today, as we prepare to go forth, hear the word of the psalmist. Remember that the Lord, He is God. We are His people. We are the sheep what should you do today? What should you do today? I want to encourage you to do three things today. Number one is this, very simple. Thank God. Thank God. Get in the habit of saying thanks. You know, I love little kids when they're praying. It's just, it's amazing because you just get what? You get what's on the heart and what's on the mind. And so at first, you're just trying to get them to say anything to God. Well, lately now it's like, okay, you can stop there. Because, because now we're like, Thank you for squeak. Thank you for butter. Thank you for Dr. C. Thank you for the bunk bed. Thank you. I'm like, okay, we're good. We got everything covered, right? But it just flows from the heart. It's just coming out. What's top of mind? How about you? Have you said, God, thank you for you? God, thank you for you. Just this next week, each day, thank God for God. Be a reminder of what? That he is your God. Number two, number two, ask, ask. If you're going to leave here this morning and say that you're not God and that you belong to God, then it makes a ton of sense to what? Ask God for wisdom. 
He says to do it in James chapter 1. He says, ask and I'll give it to you. Are you asking God for wisdom? You're about to, to make a decision as a family. You're about to do something at work. You, know, you don't have to have a 30-minute prayer time and away in a closet somewhere. You just say, God, give me wisdom right now as I walk into this conversation. Have you asked God for wisdom? It's acknowledging God. Thank God each day. And then just get in the habit of, of asking God. Third, now this is big. He's God, and you ask, then what? You better follow. If, God, if you ask God for something and he gives it, do it. Just do it. If it's clear in the word or if you sense a leading, don't spend all this time wondering, oh boy, how do I discern if this is God or not? Just do it. See what happens. Give God thanks. Ask. Just do it. Give thanks. Ask. Just do it. That's how you and I can begin to remember that we are not God, but that we belong to the Lord who is our God. This next week, I can almost guarantee you that we will lose the remote at our house at some point. I don't know where it will go or where we'll find it, but I guarantee you we will lose it. We're constantly losing things. You and I are constantly losing things. But the one thing that the psalmist wants us to remember and not forget is that the Lord, He is our God. And so as you go here from here today, it's not, I am not God, it is, the Lord is my God. Let's say that together. The Lord is my God. Let us pray. Everlasting God, we give thanks this morning that you enter into creation to make yourself known to us. God, thank you for the covenant that you've established with us. God, thank you for you. And we ask now, God, for wisdom in our daily life, that we could walk as your children, that we could be your people. And Lord, we pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to follow as you lead. God, we praise you today for who you are, what you have done. We acknowledge, God, that you are God, we are not. You alone deserve praise. So now orient our lives around you as our God.